Hello and welcome to another edition of Back of the Grid. I'm your host, Stu, and I'm joined as always by Chris and by Hello. Tom. Hello. Hello. And if uh, I don't know if you guys just saw that. We're watching the um, McLaren car reveal live as we record, and the internet just absolutely seemed to lose its mind over a kid being on the big giant screen behind them. Did you see that? I was more interested in the um, YouTube auto um, annotations that clearly had no idea what he was saying and they made absolutely <laughs> no sense of the entire thing. Oh, is there closed cap? Oh, interesting. Yeah. I've just activated magic. that. This Internet magic. It's going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be difficult to host and read that at I was going to say, if, if you ask me a question, Stu, and I don't answer, it's because I'm reading captions on YouTube. <laughs> we will We'll see how we get on. Um, so this week, we, uh, we're we here to talk about a bit of news. Um, there's quite a bit been going on since the last time we, we spoke. Um... And I'm going to start this. Well, I mean, let's start with uh, let's start with car launches. We're at we are kind of at virtually at the McLaren car launch. <laughs> we're actually all sat our, in our bedrooms recording a podcast, but we're we're sort of, we're there in spirit. Um, so watching that right now, and this is kind of a special episode. So what we're going to do is we're going to sort of live react to that um, as it happens while we're recording the podcast. So eventually the car will be revealed and guys, I have an inkling that, and I'm reliably informed that it looks very similar to last year's car. That would not surprise me there. in the slightest. Yeah, it's I, last year's I car, mean, but that... someone's taken some clippers to the uh, the floor of the left. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. So, um, I mean, McLaren yeah, had that... to spend basically all their development tokens on just fitting in a new engine, haven't they? So odds yeah. are it's not going to look much different at all, I would have thought. Yeah, I'm, I'm very concerned. <laughs> very I mean, concerned. It's also entirely possible that they won't even have the new car. Like, I think a lot of these car launches might be last year's car with a couple of extra bits bolted on. And a new yeah, there's a lot of <clears throat> B spec. Uh, there's a lot of Bs on the end of uh, car names, isn't there? This year, I've noticed. Yeah, it's. Um, we'll see. We'll see. We'll, yeah. we'll have. Uh, I'm predicting at least half an hour of preamble, and they're 16 minutes in currently. So at some point yeah. in the next 15 or 20 minutes, we'll have to interrupt ourselves when the car appears. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Um, they're currently at a recording studio. I don't know. Yeah. What not sure how this there. is relevant. I don't see how this relates to the car itself. Because but... music generates emotion that make you feel passionate about the car, man. Did you not see Ferrari's oh. launch <laughs> last year? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Were you not there for that? Well. Um, speaking of other teams <laughs> launching, let's uh, let's take a quick rundown of when the other cars are going to launch. McLaren, are, uh, sorry, Ferrari are quite interesting because they've got two launches. They have a team <laughs> launch on February the 26th and they have a car launch on uh, Wednesday the 10th of March. Um, Alpha Tauri, um, Friday the 19th, so this Friday if you're listening as we record, um, which you won't be because... <laughs> how could you um, i hope you're not that'd be weird yeah that would be weird wouldn't it oh, God. how did you get in here <laughs> yeah um alfa romeo monday the 22nd um alpine sometime in february mercedes 3rd of march williams 5th of march that's a friday um then we've got aston martin sometime in march red bull unknown but probably march and haas also unknown but probably march um, first set, first day of testing is on the 12th of March, so some of these unknowns maybe we might not see until the uh, the first day of the test, which is absolutely fine, of course. Um, yeah, Hasso would expect but, to be a, a first day of test yeah. kind of reveal. Yeah, I'd be surprised if Williams have uh, make it to them. But saying that, Williams have, you know, they're, they're sort of slowly getting it back together, aren't they? So maybe they will. Maybe they will launch it. In previous years, they've struggled to meet the launch deadline, their own launch deadline, but um, maybe this year will be different. I think setting it like a good week ahead of testing is a bit of a statement of intent, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say Which so. I think it, it will, I think it matters in a way because it shows that if you are able to meet your launch, your car launch deadline and you know, there's a, there's a big market drive around a team during car launch season, which is what we are beginning today. It's important to show, you know, the rest of the teams, the rest of the grid, the rest of the world, like y- your team is on track and we are organized and we can get this thing together in order to get the, um, <laughs> the, uh, the season underway. I'm now exactly, watching yeah. Daniel Ricciardo rapping 
This is very distracting, isn't it? It is super distracting. This might not have been a great idea for content. (laughs) I wouldn't have necessarily called what he was doing rapping just for disclosure. Well, I can't (laughs) hear it. It was pretty much just, hey, yo, hey, yo. And that was it. There wasn't much else to it, don't worry. I'm glad I have it muted then. They should have got Um, you in, Tom. I know. (laughs) To be honest, I did it about as good as Danny Rick just did it. So, (laughs) Uh, Do you know what? This is the first time in ages I remember... Oh, sorry, I can remember of that all the teams have some kind of launch that isn't rolling out of the garage at pre-season testing. It's normally at least like three or four of them, isn't it? Yeah, there's normally like yeah. some, it tends to some, usually be like some of the smaller teams that go nearer to the limit and, and like, so like it was racing point as they were at the time and... um like Alpha Tauri when they were Toro Rosso, sometimes used to leave it until that last minute. Um, they'd maybe reveal a livery, but you wouldn't see anything else. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to see how many of these are just purely liveries and how much a significant visual differences in the car well, level guess, we're talking about for McLaren. Well, I guess when all you've really got to do is like bolt on a few new bits to last year's car, it's a bit easier to be confident in a launch date, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. true. That is true. true. Like we said, there are a lot of B-spec cars. But even so, like, you know, Haas not having... Haas don't have a launch date. And um, nor do technically Aston. Aston Martin have said sometime in March, but, you know, that that time in March could be day one of the test on the 12th of March. Yeah, true. Yeah. So there are a couple. There are a couple who've who've not got an official launch. I actually quite like the launches that um occur on the first day of testing when it's just the the old school way of getting the whole team stood outside the garage with the car take the drape off the car and bob's your uncle you've got a formula one race car to go racing with i think a lot of the pomp and ceremony and silliness like what we're watching here is almost a little bit over the top and a little bit unnecessary and maybe a little bit sort of unrelated to the reason we all (laughs) we're all here well i mean Lando Norris playing a guitar has very little to do <laughs> yeah, with a Formula like, One car. What am I watching? What is going on? You're watching Lando Norris playing a guitar. Oh, and he must be doing a good Danny job. Danny Rick on bass. Slapping the bass. Honestly, it's delightful content, but it has nothing to do with the car. Yeah, this is, this is great fun. Um, shall we do the next bit of news while we yeah. wait for um, the 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 McLaren car to be revealed. Um, so lot of lots and lots of stuff from the F1 commission meeting. Um, the engine freeze has been agreed unanimously from the beginning of next season. That's the 2022 season, not the upcoming season. Um, and there is a new engine formula scheduled for 2025 with a working group set up to work out the details. So no actual engine formula decided just yet, but they've scheduled a date when they will make a decision on <laughs> on a on a new engine is that right chris i mean i'm, I'm answering on behalf where, of chris because i think he's he's lost in the mclarenness isn't he he's no, lost in the world we, of mclaren I think, I think we've lost chris altogether i know he just, I just, just muted himself just, to, to watch mclaren <laughs> i mistakenly left myself muted <laughs> he's too interested in watching daniel ricardo jog on the spot with a tambourine um, no, I don't <laughs> think they've set an actual date yet. I think basically they've said there is going to be a new Engine 4 in 2025. They love a working group, so they've set up a working oh, yeah. group too. It's not the first one then we'll talk about today either. So it's <sighs> it's being worked on basically, but I don't think they've said anything more than that currently. Okay, yeah, cool. Um, of course, this opens the door for Red Bull to continue using Honda engines until the end of 2024 forming um, a new company called Red Bull Powertrains. Company formed today. Um, yes. And that's going to handle the maintenance and production of the power units, which will just be rebranded as a Red Bull engine to be used um, by the main team and by Alpha Tauri. Um, and they've... Chris, um, go on. There's, there's an Austrian um, sort of high-performance engine company, which I've forgotten the name of now, but their headquarters is like down the road from Red Bull's headquarters and they're going to be using their kind of expertise and equipment and stuff to um sort of get things up and running. But um yeah, what that's, could that's go start- wrong? <laughs> but yeah, they've started. <laughs> they've um one of the buildings in Milton Keynes, they've already begun transforming into a 
an engine, um, well, I'd say development, but not development, an engine building and maintenance uh, factory. Okay. So um, what does that entail, do you think? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm not a structural engineer. I'm not sure what you want from me there. <laughs> well, I mean, it's interesting because they're already, surely they're, I mean, just by having a, work, I mean, it's just a workshop, isn't it? It's just a fancy workshop. Yeah. A very clear, put the right, fancy workshop. Put the right machinery in it, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess there's a few more milling machines and stuff like that, engine balancing equipment, that sort of thing. Um, Christine Horner also said that there, while there's no regulation to help keep all the engines competitive, there is an informal agreement between the teams that changes could be made if the need arises, subject to agreement from the teams. So, a lot of ifs um, and buts there, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a few what ifs in that uh, in that statement from Christian. Um, yeah, I was reading about this earlier. So they kind of like they can go to the FIA, and then the FIA has the power to get everyone who makes an engine together and sort yeah. of try and get them to agree to basically detune their engines. Is what it sounds like. The the guys further up the, the field. Yeah, because um, you can't. It's going to be easier to detune the top ones than. I guess the only thing you do with the. If an engine's not on the same performances, you could increase the fuel flow rate they're allowed. But then again, that comes with its own penalties because you can only flow as much fuel as you carry in the car. And that comes with, you know, its own performance. Added, yeah, added weight. Yeah. Start yeah. Of the race. So, but then, you know, the, 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 I kind of. I don't hate that because there's, no. there's still a degree of penalization there for not having the best engine. So yeah, totally. You know, um, I think that there's, there are other things as well, like they can restrict the the air intake. Uh, they could restrict the air in, in theory. They could restrict the air intake for the the higher performing engine. So it's obviously the less air it, it can suck mm-hmm. in, then the um, the the less power it can make because it's all generating power from an engine is all about how much air you can suck into that engine to burn and then turn it into power, turn it to work. Yeah. So that, yeah, fuel and air are good simple ways you can just up and down performance without having to like really change. Yeah. Massively. And I'm seeing a I'm seeing a lot of waving parts. and clapping going on on the and, uh on the McLaren. And not much race car. <laughs> not a lot of race car. Does does this mean though that we're about to see the race car? I, I can I've got visions of this like video wall just raising no. up and there being No, no, we're, we're having questions. There's questions from the audience. Question and answer time. So like we, we talked a bit about like the pros and cons of this engine freeze last week. So, I mean, we don't want to cover the same ground again, but like it is, I guess one way of looking at it is that it is a, uh, it's, it's kind of big news for F1 to be able to say, you know, a massive global company is putting the money and resources into the sport to essentially become a new works engine. Like it's not exactly a works engine, but that's kind of, it's on that road sort of thing. It's it, it kind of helps with the bad news that they had to lose another engine manufacturer to get into this position. But the easiest thing in the world would for be for Red Bull to have gone, oh well, it was fun while it lasted, and just peace out, and us be two teams down. So the fact that they think it's worth the time and money and effort to do to stick around is a good thing. I mean, Helmut Marko reckons it's going to cost them as much, maybe a little more than just paying for engines would have cost over the next four years. I'm not sure that's not hmm. a bit ambitious, but... Hmm. I, there is there is an element, though, of like um, minimal development over the next few years during that time. So you're not going to be pumping millions and millions into it like you would be if you were in a development race yeah it's only so, making a brand new engine then it'd be a lot more difficult the fact that they're yeah. inheriting existing technology and just exactly sort of maintain effectively maintaining it rather than yeah. buying engines and yeah, developing it's... engines from scratch then obviously there's a say there's a huge saving there um i think to call it to call red bull an engine manufacturer at this point is a bit a bit premature <laughs> Um, I don't believe. I think you know. I think, I think if it was as cheap as that, then they'd all be doing it. You know, they'd all they'd all have their own engines. Yeah, well, I mean, you you need a you need a manufacturer that's willing to just hand one over to you, though, don't you? That's yeah, exactly. that's the difference well, yeah. here is that 
Honda are bowing out, but they're willing to hand over what they currently have to Red Bull. Otherwise, yeah. you'd be stuck. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like it's like Mercedes deciding they've had enough and handing it over to McLaren or something for McLaren to do it in-house. Like, yeah. It's exactly. not like they're doing it from scratch or anything like that, which I think is why the costs are reduced because the main bulk of the work for this formula of engine now is is done, especially if there's a lot of um, freezers now over the next couple of seasons. Yeah. 2025. Because so, obviously Honda have said they're going to carry on developing this engine until the end of this year, basically. So it's not like Red Bull are going to be stuck with the engine they have now for the next four or five years. Like they still have one more year of development and Honda have told them they're going to continue to do that. So... Mm. So overall then, overarching sort of um, question, I guess, for this. Is it in a good place at the end of this season? Are the engines going to be in a good place so that, you know, the the next three years can carry on? Or would you prefer to see continued development or would you prefer to see the new formula come forward and a bit more planning and preparation so that, in order to make that happen? I think... It's, it's tricky, isn't it? Like the fact that we have a new NU formula on the horizon means I'm not. I don't think it's the end of the world that we're not going to see continued development of these engines that we've already had this formula for quite a long time now. Um, and you know, re- reliability was always an issue, but that for the most part, like they're significantly more reliable now than they were a few years ago when it was in the early days of the turbo hybrids. So. I don't think it's ideal. Uh, like you, ideally, we've as we said last time out. Like ideally, you want to see F one being a place where things are constantly being worked on and iterated and improved. And to just free stuff doesn't feel particularly within the spirit of the sport. But for the sake of a few years to you know keep two teams on the grid, I think it's a sacrifice worth making. Yeah, and I think there is something to be remembered though in the fact that next year we will get all the aero changes that were originally scheduled for this year. So it's not like nothing at all will change and there'll be a lot yeah, of that's a good point. development to be made from an aero perspective, at least, um, especially with the the way that they're kind of pushing things a little bit more towards um, the floor-based stuff with opening that up a little bit. Like that, That's what will probably interest me over kind of 2022, 2023, those those next couple of seasons after this one yeah the sort and of then, wrangling for for equalizing engines is what you say kind of. i mean i'm not saying it'll equalize it but say the, but, but the, I, I think the the, the the yeah i think the effect of the limited to no engine development will be countered to some degree with teams experimenting with what is a fairly significant aero change for for a couple of years and i i, I mean my guess would probably be that 2024 just before they start looking at changing the engines again is is maybe where we'll see a little bit of a kind of lull i guess because teams will be starting to get on top of what they can with the aero and they'll be starting to think about whatever's next for the engine regs once they've been decided so i i think for the next couple of years we'll probably be all right because of those aero changes but It, it remains yeah. to be seen, doesn't it? But I think that there's still positives down there. It's not a complete, oh, well, if they're not developing the engines, there's no point in watching because far from it, there's still plenty to be going on. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. I think probably it is a good time to to freeze the engines because they are all going to have their hands full and it sort of stops the big teams getting a huge, huge advantage by because kind of if they've got, if everyone's trying to develop a brand new engine and everyone's trying to get to grips with a brand new engine formula at the same time, then obviously whoever's got the most money is going to be even more of an advantage because they're going to have so much more money to sink into that. Whereas if no one's putting any money into engine and everyone's putting all their money into aero, then I guess that the resource would be split a bit more evenly. I don't really know. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Especially with the budget cap coming in as well. It's like one less thing at a time when there's liable people that they need to really be spending money on. Um, but yeah, I do think this coming season is probably going to feel a bit like 
2020.5, but yeah, like holding next, pattern almost. Yeah, but as of next year, there's going to be I think there's going to be enough new stuff going on that we're probably not yeah. going to miss also having new engines to worry about. Yeah. Hmm. So there you go. That's the that's the brief debate on uh, new engine formulas, new aero regulations. I'm sure we move on to uh, sprint races. Oh, oh, before we do might, that, you might have, we've got, you might as we've well got a new. Uh, first. Yeah, we've got is, a new is McLaren. This, it? this is it. I think this is it. Let's have the a fact that I can't entirely tell if it, this is it kind of says all about. I mean, it's just last year's car with matte paint on it. It is basically. <laughs> that's that's the simple summary of that one. But then it, last, last year's, year's car, car, last year's car, was a, last year's car was a pretty car. I, I, I yeah. have no problem with last year's car. I'm Actually, not saying no, it's a bad a few, looking car. I can see a few yeah. accents different, and all the lights have gone down. It's oh, gone. There we go. It's gone. <clears throat> so that's all we see. And it's, it's the promotional marketing video. Oh, there's a bit more interesting stuff. Here's here come uh, Danny Ricardo and Lando it's Norris to, look, is it? to peel back the black skin from, off the orange <laughs> from that brief glimpse we just got it looks a lot like they've made this mistake that williams made a year or two ago which was painting too much of the bottom of the car black and only having the actual colors on the top part and, and we all know what happened to williams is you? but is it a mistake or is it an intentional diversion so it's harder to see the component that are uh, yeah probably because they'll take some off but there'll be some that'll be there there were contours and things that you won't be able to make out. Mm. So you Does might as well look... carry on with the rest of the news while while we wait for this. Yeah, I'm just well, they're just they're literally peeling it back out. now. So let's let's just uh, let's get a proper look at it and then then we'll carry on. Danny Ricardo's again at a right eyeful. Um, I think I think it looks pretty cool. They're doing um, a lot I, of showing us people looking at it and not a lot of yeah. showing it to us. I can definitely see some good design, some 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 design progression. On the uh, on delivery, there's a lot. There is a lot more blacks black on there, um, but overall, I think my initial thoughts are looks cool. I do like the matte paint. Um, there are a lot of teams going for matte paint at the moment, aren't there? There must be something. I well, think Red, matte, Red Bull started, didn't they? A few yeah, years you ago. Know, I think matte paint gives makes the aero surfaces work harder. I I really do. It must do. They must put a coating over it to stop that, though. I would have thought. They wouldn't. They wouldn't do it if it was that much of a disadvantage. Yeah, I guess that'd be interesting. I wonder if there's any research anywhere about that. Anyway, yeah, let's move on then to um, sprint races. They've been approved in principle. Yay! They're going to be possibly replacing qualifying. Boo! Um, well, I mean, in terms of the schedule, yes, but not completely. No. No, at certain races. So, um, yeah, they're evaluating potential plans to run split races at three rounds this season with um, another another working group (laughs) set up to uh, work on the idea. It's believed that three races currently being discussed are Montreal, Monza, and Interlagos. Um, It would likely involve qualifying moving to Friday to set the grid for a sprint race on Saturday. Oh, which would in turn set the grid for the Grand Prix on Sunday. Okay. I don't hate that idea. Um, details <laughs> like whether points would be awarded for the race or what tyre strategies would really actually be decided. Um, anything to do with race grids seems firmly out of contention, which I think is fine. Like I don't, I'm not a huge proponent of the reverse well maybe i don't know maybe i kind of like i mean i've historically said reverse grid sprint race haven't i so um <laughs> be consistent yeah <laughs> i'm nothing if not consistent um yeah I, I i you know what i don't mind moving moving um as long as we keep qualifying to a degree or to, to keep this format of qualifying I, you know it's yeah. the one thing that isn't broken in formula one is qualifying it's bloody brilliant yeah. Um, as long as they keep that, then I guess like that. It seems a bit pointless to me having a sprint race where you just set the grid according to quality. This is the whole kind... point of the sprint race concept for me is to give the lower teams a chance to get some good points. That's kind of my issue with it. It's like like I I like that they're not talking about messing with qualifying, but if if you don't award points for the sprint race. All you're essentially doing is making the race a third longer 
and having an extended um, overnight red flag after the first like 45 minutes of it. That's all you're basically doing. And if you do award points for it, is that not just going to make the existing gaps between teams even bigger? Like, do you, do you not think this is more about the finding out if it will work in the schedule? Yeah. Oh, and yeah. It's, it's more about if it works in the schedule, they will then adapt it to say the sprint races half points but reverse grid or, or whatever yeah, yeah. it might this be, is, that kind of thing. This is definitely an experiment with the format and I'm all for that. I really think it's a good thing that they occasionally experiment and try different things. But I do think the option they seem to be going for first is not necessarily the right approach. Like I, th- I think yeah. it seems to me that they've actually heard the general consensus from fans is that qualifying doesn't need fixing and it looks like they've taken that on board. But having sort of a Saturday race and then a Sunday race that kind of end up being part of the same race seems a strange approach to it to me. Yeah, it does to me. I mean, I, I've always said, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I've always said practice on Saturday morning is pointless. No one watches it on YouTube. And it's just, you know, they don't even do that much running a lot of the time. No. So it's it's really one of the dullest sessions in, in on the whole well, it is the dullest session of a whole race weekend. Um, so I think I mean, that's the one. Friday morning can be pretty bad as well. Friday you just morning... need to con. You can just you just need to condense down everything that's there at the minute. Yeah, well, well they're doing that, aren't they? Next season, they yeah, are doing the, hour-long like, sessions on Friday instead. There's too much of that free practice time where teams choose to not use it, and if they're not going to use it, why give it to them? Why not? Like, why not take advantage to put? F2 on out on track again or F3 out on track, like what they're looking at doing, which is having those series run three races over yeah. a weekend rather than two and getting W Series involved. Like, yeah. I mean, it's... It's going to be hectic. It's one, of those, it's one of those things, like, when I'm at a circuit all weekend, I'm more entertained if there's action on track i don't i don't care what formula it is if i'm totally honest with you i'm interested in all of them but there's not for me as a spectator that's there i find nothing worse than a live session where nothing is happening because you spend your time like between sessions doing other bits whether it's like getting something to eat or moving to a different vantage point to have another look, another look at like a different section of the track, whatever it might be. And then when you get there, if there's nothing happening in that session, what was it for? What was yeah. the point in it? Like it's so to take it away from the F1 teams and let another series use it. Why not? Why not? Yeah. It's yeah. I do wonder how they're going to fit that into a calendar. Like if you, gonna into like a weekend schedule i should say if you're gonna do qualifying on a friday you're still gonna have two friday practice sessions and then only have the sprint race on um saturday i'm i'm assuming so like the only thing that i can see this i can see this being like a bit of an advantage or a disadvantage depending on how you look at it but like i know a lot of people that um weren't ever particularly able to go abroad for races like we've had the luxury of being able to and when you consider the price of a sunday grand prix ticket at silverstone is basically the same price as a weekend ticket kind of prices people out of going to just the race so i know a lot of people who would go to silverstone on the saturday to watch qualifying in person and watch the support series and that would be all that they'd do because that's just where they fit into the um, into the pricing brackets of like what's available at what price because not everyone can afford a full weekend or a race ticket and so on. So I think there's an advantage there that as long as they don't go ridiculous with the pricing on the, that Saturday ticket still, it gives those people more of an opportunity to get into a circuit and see a race and it gives more people more opportunity to see that, I think. But then... The flip side is potentially less people would be able to get to a qualifying session because a lot of people miss the Fridays of a Grand Prix weekend yeah. because they're, they're, that's when they have to travel and, and they can oh, only spend work. the weekend there. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. So like, you, you can't. A lot of people can't attend until the Saturday morning. 
Um, so it's a double-edged sword, I think. There's, there's definitely an advantage to it, but there's also a significant disadvantage to it, I would say. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree There's that. definitely, um, there's work, there, there is work to do on it, isn't there, for sure? Like, it's, but let, let's, uh, you know, let's conclude it by just saying, so we do welcome this, this uh, experimentation, I guess, with, yeah, very with much the so. idea of sprint races. Like it is a, it's a fun idea, but definitely um, a work in progress. Yeah. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely. I no, mean, that's where I am, I think. It's, de- it's definitely a far better approach to when they tried to mess around with qualifying a few years ago. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. decided that we're changing qualifying for forever as of Australia. And it went to absolute pot. And it was absolutely yeah, awful. Was, and they had to very quickly races. revert. Yeah, if that, I think they changed it by the end of Bahrain or something. Yeah. They? Like, yeah, it, they it changed back very quickly. Yeah. Um, and at least with this, there's some planned altered weekends at a couple of Grand Prix throughout the season where we can see how that works. And we had a little bit of experimentation like that last year with, uh, it was... Um, which which of the Italian races was it that had a shortened practices uh, practice that was, session? Uh, Imola. It was oh, Imola. Yeah. So yeah, you got a similar thing at Imola where they tried reducing it down to we had a we had a two day weekend I think in the end didn't we? We just didn't have a Friday. Yeah, if I remember yeah, right. So like that that was maybe the the way that that went is what's maybe influenced some of these changes to trial them, and I think that's the it, best it way of doing great. it. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, they also inadvertently they also did that in um, for the Nurburgring race in Germany as well by accident because they didn't do any they couldn't yeah. do any oh yeah of course because of the weather so yeah. um, they ended up just doing everything on Saturday and Sunday anyway so it basically did the same thing um, but yeah um, let's so I, you know it's, that's a few races to look forward to a bit of difference um, in, in the season in the upcoming season so um on uh, on to races. Portimao is expected to join the race calendar. Um, it's being confirmed as F1's preferred option. Um, it's just pending an agreement with the promoter. Um, it will be the third round of the championship after Bahrain and Imola. So that's exciting. G- g- not long after we've been to uh, Portimao and had a yeah. fantastic race there at the roller coaster of a track. Um, they're going back very soon. It would appear. Yeah, after yeah. watching it and thinking, well, that was nice. It's a shame we'll never be back here again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, I mean, we've said before, that's like, that was the pick of the um, replacement tracks last year that I think all of us would have wanted to have back. So, yeah, yeah, yeah really cool it, to see it back. It'd be nice if it provides us with a, another good race like what it did last year. Yeah, I'd like to see the weather be a bit better for it. This, yeah. It, uh, it was a bit cold, mm. wasn't it? And a bit slippery. It's, I mean, it spiced um, it up a bit. Yeah, but that's that's kind of what made it a little bit interesting in those early laps. We yeah. didn't enjoy Carlos Sainz steaming his way to the <laughs> yeah. front in those treacherous conditions, even that if you was, lost it like a lap later. That was book wild. <laughs> that was absolutely yeah. wild. Um, I know we keep yeah. bouncing backwards and forwards here, but just to go back to the, the new McLaren again. Yeah. I've just seen someone point out, and I'm looking through the photos now and they're right, there is not a single piece of Mercedes branding on the car. It does not oh. say Mercedes on it anywhere, which is very oh. strange. Interesting. Normally part of the deal of you can have our engine, but you have to put the name of our company on your car and it has to be this big and there's just nothing. I, I kind of felt like they were going to lean into the McLaren Mercedes name a little bit this year because that's like historically been a very successful combination, but they very much don't seem to. Thinking about it though, where was it on last year's Williams? It was on there. It wasn't massive, but it was, was it? on there. Yeah. Um, hang on. And I don't. I don't think it was. You know, I don't think there was any Mercedes branding on that car at all. Actually, I think the only Mercedes right. brand. I think the only Mercedes branding you you will have found is probably on like say Russell's helmet or something because of him being an uh, an academy driver or whatever you want to call. Uh, do you know what? You're I, right, I don't, yeah. I don't think there was any Mercedes branding on Williams's car last year. That's really interesting. I wonder why they don't do that. It's probably because McLaren make their own cars and engines. Yes, they don't need it, I guess. Like they don't, yeah, they don't there, need there their a, name 
on there is a con- there is a connection isn't there between McLaren and Mercedes anyway like I think some of their road car- I, I know the MP4 4C um was Mercedes engined um let me just add, do a quick fact check on that I'm actually now just looking at the I bet you race- looking at the racing yeah. point and finding that there's no logos yeah, on that either. there's not it, it must you. just be that like our logo is on our cars and they're winning. There's no need for us to put our logos on cars that aren't winning, I guess. like yeah. It's interesting, though, because you know, all the Renault and Honda teams are always plastered in them. Hmm. Here's, a th- here's a thought. Did, did any of the Mercedes-powered teams hyphenate themselves as Mercedes last year, like Racing Point Mercedes, Williams Racing Mercedes? No, I don't, I don't think they did. They they did. did. No. So um, maybe that is a contractual thing that you don't have to do with mercedes yeah it must be because they do they just don't care because like you say it's we don't care because <laughs> our cars do so much better we don't need our name up and down the grid because people just know anyway um okay i was completely wrong about the uh, mclaren <laughs> engine thing as usual um it turns out it's a nissan architecture the mclaren engine mm. oh so yeah, there you go. I, Interesting. I I think I came to that conclusion because McLaren Mercedes. Uh, there was a um, McLaren Mercedes SLR, but that was a Mercedes road car and not a McLaren road car. But there was like a, a, a yeah. link between the two, uh, which is a absolute weapon of a car. By the, the way, the original McLaren F1 had a didn't no. It might not have been Mercedes actually. I feel like it was German, whatever it was. Um, the, the original F1 that um, Gordon Murray designed with McLaren. Yeah, uh, I actually think if it is Mercedes, then there's, yeah, it's about that time, isn't it? But because it was it was the mid nineties, wasn't it, that they put the McLaren F1 into production, and that was around the start of the McLaren Mercedes era with Mika and oh no, it's um, BMW. Yeah, BMW. They uh, built it with BMW. Yeah, it was German then. Wasn't far off. Yes, <laughs> I was we had close. that much right at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Next, drag ourselves it, back from that tangent. Yeah, that that was come <laughs> completely lost. Um, Fernando Alonso, um, he's been hit by a bloody car. Had a bit of a tumble, hasn't he? Had a tumble. He's had flipping jaw surgery. Yeah, that's... as well. Um, he's fine. We should point out. Um, he was in hospital for 48 hours um, under observation. He was actually hit while cycling in Switzerland. Um, reports suggest that he was hit by a driver turning left into a supermarket car park <laughs> as the cycling Alonso overtook stationary traffic to his right, placing him in the center of the road. So obviously in Europe, they drive on different side of the road to us in the UK and Australia and Japan. And the glamour Europe. of F1, eh? Yep. Um <laughs> And yeah, I mean, it can happen to anyone, can it? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, the, the the person driving the car um, just not seen him, I guess, and just uh, turned turned in, and he's he's ridden straight into them. Um, he's tweeted to say that he's okay. Um, so I think all we need to say is just let's wish him a speedy recovery for um, yeah, getting um, get, getting I better mean, in time for the first test. Yeah, Alpine had expected him to be able to partake as normal, so. Yeah, it's a bit concerning. Luckily, it sounds like things aren't too bad. But, I mean, it would just be typical Alonso's career for something like that to happen, wouldn't <laughs> really it? And keep would. him out for a race or something. Because yeah. it wouldn't be the first time something like that has I'm happened. I'm sure Nico Hulkenberg was keeping an eye on his phone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, you know, Mark Webber had a really bad accident. A he did, yeah, accident, really nasty before, one. Just before the season one year. I can't remember what year it was. It was like in the, in the 2010s-ish. He was in like at the height of like Red Bull dominance years for sure yeah um, um he was he in had, um, like pins in his leg didn't he and everything yeah really nasty one he was in um, tasmania because he run i don't know if he still does but at least the time he ran like a charity bike race thing there every year and yeah he was in his own yeah. race he had a, a a crash a nasty one yeah but yeah hopefully yonza's okay and it, it's sounding like he's going to be okay in time for the first test so yeah um the next bit of really big news, actually, while we've been away, has been Hamilton's finally signed a new contract. Um, it's just we have a whole year. grid. We have a whole grid <laughs> just before testing. Officially. We have a whole grid. Um, it's just for a year. He signed the contract with it. Includes an agreement. It, it includes an agreement 
that here Mercedes will collaborate on a charitable foundation to promote diversity and inclusion across motorsport, which is no bad thing. Um, mm-hmm. Toto Wolf has already rubbished claims that the contract includes teammate clause, or even more specifically, a Verstappen clause. Um, just one year, guys. Just one year. Why do you think that is? To be honest, I think the the boring but most probable answer is it ends up being sorted out late in the day and it probably takes a lot longer to hash out a multi-year contract. So they were just like, they just got a one-year one done. So everything was good for this coming season and then they'll figure out the future after that. Like I, People have tried to make a big deal out of this. Maybe they were seeing the end of Hamilton's career and hmm. I don't if, if that's what you want, I'm afraid you might be disappointed. I think he's going to be yeah. sticking around for another few years. Yeah. Max Verstappen's been spreading some vicious rumours on the Yeah. Internet. I think it's purely <laughs> for convenience and nothing more than that. Mm. So no, you don't think there's any desire for him to go off and do his uh, Extreme E series or I any actual so. Formula E or anything like that? I think, I think he's proven in the last couple of years that he can pursue his interests outside of F1 and still perform at the absolute highest level. So... I don't see any reason why that would change, so I don't think he's going to be going anywhere for another couple of years yet. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. I suppose well, it depends on how it goes this year, because now that we know that there's an engine freeze as well, that might factor into what he decides to do with the next couple of years until until that changes, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, we have said before it is possible that some of the older guard might, like, if they're the only thing they've got a year to left in them, maybe not dive into a whole new formula for the sake of like one or two years or something. But I, I, I think on, to be honest, I think he probably would really relish that challenge and the fact that it would potentially, you know, a new formula potentially will knock Mercedes off the perch. And I think he, as much as he enjoys winning everything, he also has made it very clear that he likes to be really That's pushed and fight for wins. So yeah, I think if he thinks there's a chance more challenge will come from it, then he'll be very much into it. Yeah. Mm. Nice. Now, um, on to the next one. A potential... This is news to me. I haven't read this part of the uh, schedule, so forgive me. Do you want me to look after it then? You could look after it. I've actually read the articles. <laughs> yeah, go on. Um, so yeah, there's this talk of potential new team that's seeking entry to F1. Um, businessman called Salvatore Gandolfo is uh, behind what's currently Gandalf. being called Gandalf. Gandalf is behind what's currently called Monaco F1 <laughs> Racing Team. Um, <laughs> apparently, he wanted to get an entry in in time for <laughs> this coming season, but had to like push back the plans because of the new rule set being pushed back. And obviously, any new teams right now aren't going to enter before the new rule set comes in. So you might remember a couple of years ago, there was talk of a Spanish F1 team that was going to be connected to Campos and sort of use the Campos facilities yeah. as a base and that kind of disappeared in the end so yeah. uh he's the guy that was involved in that as well so how much can be made of it i don't know he's saying all the right things and seems very serious about it but we'll yeah, see um yeah we'll see if he gets a you shall not pass from the uh, <laughs> from the fia i think one of the key parts of all this is that it sort of comes off the back of um stefano de Micali has suggested that that 200 million dollar entry fee that f1 recently announced could actually be waived under certain circumstances and um uh he's gandalf has basically said that that being waived would be a, i think a condition of them being able to enter um because that's so they're, they're bought that 200 million fee as what they described it as an anti-dilution fee because they wanted to stop teams like HRT, for example, to pluck a name out of the air who clearly don't have the funds or resources to properly long-term do it, sort of entering, well, sticking around for a few years and then disappearing again. Um, that whole 200 million thing's weird, though, because they, they said they'd charge new entries that as an entry fee, and then that 200 million would get shared between the existing teams. What? Yeah. That like, stinks. Yeah, much like a lot of other things in F1, name me another sport where in order to play it, you have to pay all the other teams. Mm. That's like it's, it's so weird, isn't it? Like It's such a financial struggle to get into F1. So they're going to charge you an extra 200 million that's going to be used to help the other teams get even more of a step up on you. 
anti-dilution fit. I've never heard such a scam in all my life. <laughs> it's weird. I mean, isn't we it? F1's a funny world financially, but goodness, that is that's just so against the spirit of, of sport. Yeah. Full stop, isn't it? Well, that that came in, I think, in the pre Stefano Dominicali days. So I think the fact that he is now now he's the boss has suggested that could be waived. Um, it's clearly not something yeah. he would have been a fan of had he been CEO at the time. It, I mean, it's a, like we said, it's a challenge enough just to build a Formula One car to then have to pay two hundred million just to run it. I mean, exactly. The, yeah, the 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 cost cap is less than that per year yeah it's yeah. mad isn't it so you've got i mean how are you supposed to that's just that's bonk that's just it just makes no sense to me i can't figure that out i mean why do you think we've not had any yeah body interested in joining the sport for the last yeah. five years or maybe it's maybe it's the 200 million foot high hurdle that they've got <laughs> to uh get across to to even get onto the grid that's absolutely mental wow well, I hope I hope this new team does get in. That'd be great, won't it? Yeah, it'd be nice to see um, another team on the grid. Um, again, like this guy has been involved in failed attempts before, so how much will come of it? We'll we'll keep an eye on it and see what happens. Yeah. But if you for, if at first you don't succeed, just I mean, try and try again. I think officially there's up to twenty six car grids. The current rule set allows, so there's yes. there's plenty of space for more teams. Um, so it's not like F1's oversubscribed right now. So it'd be nice to see the sport gain to a position where mm. more teams want to, you know, you, you ideally you want F1 to be in the sort of position Formula E has been, you know, over the years where they've got more teams wanting to come in than they've necessarily got space for at times. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you're on street circuits that are all like one car wide. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, huh. Yeah, that's... Wow, that's really thrown me. <laughs> Throwing you for a loop. How did I not know about that? For one, and two, just, just crazy. Right. Anyway, shall we do some inbox? Let's do some inbox. Yeah. Uh, keep me saying now. Stay, stay out. Box, box, box. Hey, man. Apparently, in the McLaren launch that we were only half watching, uh, Ricardo confirmed that his McLaren deal is for three years. Oh, there you go. Fun fact. I only thought it. I didn't think it was more than one or two, to be honest. But uh, that's good. That's good commitment. You like to see. Hmm. Anyway, hopefully, that's the last McLaren tangent we'll go on now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Until all these questions are about McLaren. <laughs> yeah, Tom, do you want to do you want to take the first one? Yeah, why not? Um, oh, an old faithful name, Cornwolf uh, says. Uh, Russell is doing really well in virtual races that he's been in. Um, is he just that good or is it just a game and that's what he should be taken for to an extent? While there, there is definitely a correlation between sim racing and real racing, I think that's been proven up to a point over the last couple of years. I mean, we, we mentioned him a lot, Jimmy Broadbent, uh, our favourite sim racing YouTuber. He is going to be racing some real cars this year like off the back of his sim racing um he's gonna be racing in the brick car series which is kind of like a mixed class endurance series across british tracks like so and there's been plenty of other sim races that have made that leap but that being said the current f1 games are very particular like you have to to be to be very fast in the current f1 games that codemasters make you have to be good at driving in a way that the game wants you to drive in mm. rather than it being an actual like transferable driving skill, if that makes sense. So yeah. while I do think George Russell is a very good racing driver and he's clearly been able to adapt to the way the game needs you to drive in order to be that quick, I think I think he's won like six of these virtual Grand Prix in a row now, but it's also not a fully transferable skill set. Yeah. I agree with that. Hmm. Yeah, I don't really have much to say on that one because I don't. I, I mean, we we talked about it at the start of last season briefly in the fact that would the the younger generation of drivers on the grid that had been doing a lot of sim racing together 
hit the ground running a little bit more at the start of the season. And I think to a degree, we kind of did see that a little bit. Like Leclerc seemed pretty on point very quickly. Lando was awesome at Austria. Um, George did particularly well. Like think about how many times he continued to get out of Q1 in throughout the entire season. So I think that there was something to be said that they maybe just, even if it's just like keeping those reaction levels, just staying fresh. I think, yeah. Um, because there's only so much you can do outside of a sim, I guess. And yeah. that's the closest thing that they're going to get until they get in the car and test. Exactly, yeah. Well, I think to to sort of go back to the sort of question of is he just good or is it just the game and that's what we should take it as. I know, I think he is just really bloody good because part of being yeah. a great racing driver is being able to adapt to different cars. Yeah. And what's to say that adapting to a, a video game's particular style of of driving isn't sort of you know that that isn't it's not without merit like it's still you need to use your you need to transfer your skills of being able to adapt to drive in a different style yeah for that I'd say so. so yeah that's fair so i i think he's just a really bloody good driver to be honest <laughs> yeah Another interesting detail that um, Jimmy Broadbent mentioned on the his stream for the last Virtual Grand Prix, someone asked, like, because we mentioned before that they have separate races for the professional sim racers and then the kind of what the race, the main race that's got yeah. some F1 drivers, some YouTubers, like there was one like FIFA YouTuber doing this one and stuff like that. Um, and someone asked him, like, why, how are the professional sim racing guys that much faster? Because they were like seconds a lap faster. And he said, part of it is that they're just much, much better than the rest of us. But also, in the races they do, they're allowed to run whatever setup they want. Whereas in the feature races that have the um, actual F1 drivers in them, they force everyone to use the same like default setup for their cars. I think to try and like keep everyone a little bit closer together to keep the feature races a bit more interesting. Hmm. Which is interesting. But obviously, if you suggested that to a professional sim racer, they'd tell you, where to stick your esports because that's yeah. you know that's half the battle isn't it yeah you can stick I mean, that right up your esports you <laughs> it is it, like kind of rolling up to a grand prix weekend and them going yeah you can't touch the front wing this weekend sorry lads <laughs> like yeah. like what the <laughs> <laughs> weird one yeah right next question um connor daly um says would you or would you rather would you rather have exciting races where the same person slash team wins every time or boring races with different winners. That's an interesting would-you-rather concept, mm. isn't it? I think exciting races. Well, I think yeah. that's kind of what we've had over the last few years, isn't it? Not consistently, but we've had a lot of exciting races the last couple of years, but it tends to be the same person winning. And I'm, I'm I think we did that. last season. I yeah. think that's what we had last season. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Exciting and interesting races that ultimately hamilton won the majority of but Some of i'm not no that bothered because i enjoyed I, I enjoyed watching them though yeah like, it, that's what i mean like that's why it was exciting because he you know silverstone he was across the line on three wheels yeah yeah exactly just because the yeah. same win every time doesn't necessarily mean it's a runaway win <laughs> yeah, <laughs> i was re-watching it's a boring race yeah i was re-watching that just recently with the the radio feed over the top of it and it's insane how calm him and Bono are between it's each mad, other. It's mad, isn't it? It's like, you've got Max closing down on you. Ten seconds. Yeah, Nine seconds. I remember doing It's the, just so, it's so calm. I it's did ridiculous. the graphics for that radio message for the, for the website. It's mental. But yeah, like, I, I think I'd rather have stuff like that than just everybody finishes where they started on the grid, even if it did mean that all 20 drivers won a race. Yeah, that'd be cool, but... If everyone was finishing exactly where they started on the grid, what's the point? Yeah. Like, if nothing yeah. interesting happens. Yeah, totally. There we go. We've answered that one. Chris, should we do the next one? Next question from Soup. Will <laughs> Bonotto get sacked if Ferrari don't finish third? I mean, with the new engine, they definitely should. <laughs> um, Maybe. I'm not sure he will. Like, I think Ferrari... Go on, Stu. I don't think he's had a chance yet to make a full impact. I think like this season is probably like 
the season when it when all the fruit all the thing all the changes and all the things that he would have done would start to bear fruit it takes a few years to sort of i mean he's been given a lot longer than other team principals of late it feels well this is the thing isn't it it's a definite this is third year is it i think so third full season and i think it's a definite change in philosophy at ferrari like that they've said like i believe they've said anyway that they want to get away from chopping and changing and try and like put a consistent group of people in place and give them the time to do what they do best kind of thing. So based on this, it's, it, as you say, like it's been three or four years now and yes, the results haven't been there. And in decades gone by, the man at the top would have been long gone the last couple of years Ferrari Mm -hmm. have had, but um, yeah, I, I, I do think they're going to give him at least another year or two to, to turn things around. Mm -hmm. I think this year is the key. I think he, he needs to have a good year. It doesn't yeah. necessarily need to win the championship, but they need to be so they need to be performing. I mean, if the new engine's not up to scratch and there's an engine freeze coming in, then they're in real trouble. Yeah. I think that's why it'll Yeah. Like you say, this year will be what it's quite key. possibly decides his fate because it's what they're gonna be left with for the next four years, realistically, mm. by the end of this season. And if it's so, anything like last year's engine He's going to be in a lot of trouble. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another one from uh, Liam McEwen. Uh, with the engine freeze from 2022, how equal do you think the current engines are? Ferrari have some catching up to do, but how would you say the others rank in your opinions? Hmm. I think um, they're pretty close these days. Do you reckon? I think so. I think... I mean... Some people Mercedes like to claim Honda's the best engine. Yeah, Mercedes is still the one to beat. Some people like to claim that Honda are now the second best. I'm not sure I agree with that, but I, th- I do think it's nip and tuck between Honda and Renault these days. Yeah, I'll yeah, agree I with think that. they're they're not only close to each other, but they have definitely closed the gap to a degree to the Mercedes. Yeah, um, I think so too, and. Given the way Ferrari are talking, I would probably expect them this coming season to at least drop in that same sort of area as Honda and Renault, maybe even into kind of second place um, ahead of them. Um, Yeah. It's definitely the closest the engines have been through the whole turbo hybrid era, I would say. Yeah, I, I think the only question mark is the one we've just mentioned in the previous question, which is where will Ferrari's engine line up with the others? And I think as long as they've made the strides that they're claiming to have, it comes back to the point from way earlier on in this episode, which is that the engines will be fairly close and it'll be more about who handled those aero changes the best. Or the engines will at least be close enough that if you get the aero really right, you could be using the worst of the four engines and still be competitive because you've nailed the aero. I think the engines will hopefully be at that point by the end of this season yeah hopefully ferrari dependent <laughs> yeah so just to let's let's rank them then really quickly um from sort of spectacular engine down to poo poo engine what's your spectacular engine is obviously the mercedes engine yeah mercedes is definitely yeah. the best still don't change um, it keep it then needs improvement whose needs improvement well, Ferraris did. Ferrari. We don't know what Ferraris is going to be like, do we? Yeah. Yeah. So, no, uh, who's in number two spot? Spot is it Honda or is it Renault? It seems to change like race on race, doesn't it? Yeah, I think. Over I think if you go in, I think if you go in out and out power, it's Renault because Renault started performing at a lot of tracks they wouldn't have previously, and they did seem to be power circuit. So, I think. Overall, it's probably Renault that's slightly better, but um, I could be wrong on this statistically. But I think Honda was better from a reliability point of view. I think you're right. Because weren't Honda the only team by the end of the season that didn't have a power unit failure? Last yes, season? I believe so. They didn't have any um, like there were no penalties on Honda power cars for like yeah. power unit components. I think so that's right. I think that's you compare it. That's why those two are so close. Like Honda have got better reliability, but Renault have got slightly more power. And I okay. think that's where those two are kind of neck and neck. But 
obviously from different angles if you see what i mean yeah like, there's a compromise isn't there there's yeah and so they're probably uh, all things considered they're probably joint second shall we say they're, they're yeah, close I enough say so. to be, i think yeah yeah i think i think you're probably right and then that would put ferrari as the worst engine in formula one yeah depending on what rolls out there was the last garage season. I mean, I don't. I think really hope they've got their act together for this year. That's not new insight, is it? No. <laughs> we, we, oh we, no, no. Just look at the championship standings from last season, and then, then you know, all's clear. Um, the interesting yeah. bits: what's going to be in the back of the new one? Yeah. Um, and yeah, they will live or die next season, or certain people in that team will live or die on that. Um, final question. Uh, Rayan F1 asks, are you as sick as the as I am of the whole rich energy sponsorship fiasco and Sam Van Outen similar theme question? As informed as you are, who is rich energy who is rich energy going to sponsor? Followed by four question marks there. He really wants to know. So I guess for the context of this, um yeah. <laughs> our old pal Rich's story's been on Twitter again. He put up a video, um, sat in the corner of what appears to be a Weatherspoons. <laughs> you sound so despondent. <laughs> oh, you sound like, a, like an ashamed parent. Oh, it's just... It's, do you know my, my favourite bit of the whole thing? I'm just going to put it out there. My favourite bit of the whole thing is like the first five seconds, yeah, maybe even say. ten seconds, where he's like sat in like, you, you say, it looks like the corner of some... Weather spoons in the middle of London. Oh, and he just basically grabs this kind of rich energy, takes a big sip from it, slams it down and says something like, is it, it's either like brilliant or marvellous. Delicious. Or, so, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's something like that. And then he goes on to like talk about what he wants to talk about. But that like little, that intro of, I've got to prove that it's real and that it tastes nice before I say anything. Yeah. Oh, what you don't, what you don't see is him vomiting off camera. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just a can of Red Bull with a new label put on it. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what the drink is anyway, but. It um, actually is. But, it's yeah. yeah, so. Down Red Bull. So basically, witted on about how. Uh, Lawrence Stroll kind of stepped in and stole the team for him because he should have been the one to buy um, Force India. And uh, oh, well, he, the best Racing part is, he, uh, well, it was Force India when he was trying to buy them. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, he, he also said that they did consider um, their own F1 entry, which, which would be in. Uh, rich, energy, <laughs> uh, rich energy F1 team. Um, but they, they decided against that. Can't imagine why. Um, maybe it was a 200 million pound hurdle standing maybe in the way. yeah that was it. it was only that though only that 200 million none of the rest yeah nothing else. um basically he's saying that they're on the way back to f1 they there's a partner they're working with that's going to be buying a stake in f1 or something um maybe that's why Haas aren't reviewing their car until the start christ imagine <laughs> imagine did you see on that though did you see the george russell thing while he was live streaming no, no. So they were bringing a he tweeted it whilst George Russell was on Twitch uh, playing something, um, and so everyone obviously brought it up in his chat, and he said, um, "Oh lads, I think we missed some news. Like while we've been while we've been racing, everyone's asking me about Rich Energy, and then he just really casually just went." They're sponsoring Alpha this season anyway, aren't they? Like, just really casually <laughs> throw away just to, like, add fuel to the tired. <laughs> and he it was just so casual and then just put his phone down and carried on with what he was doing. Like, it absolutely played everyone. Nice. Amazing. <laughs> and it'd be even better if it turns out to be real and it was just like, yeah, he knew. <laughs> um, I mean, the answer to the two questions, are you as sick with it as Ryan is? Yes. And who are they going to sponsor? No one. It's all nonsense for the 20th time. And if any F1 team is stupid enough to have them on board, then honestly, they deserve everything that they get because everyone in the world knows it's a yeah. bad idea at this point. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. I only included it just to laugh at it, honestly. It's ludicrous. <laughs> it is mental. <laughs> he's always banging on about how they want to like be on the same stage as Red Bull to like prove they can oh, beat God. them and stuff. He's obsessed. Mm. He is. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, it's, it's enough it, of that. But it's, it's you know, it's not the craziest um, finance arrangement in Formula One. Still, 
Like, you know, there's people who, like, a lot of these, some of the Formula One teams are financed from, like, porn barons and stuff like that. Oh, there's all kinds of weird so, stuff. Companies I mean, that don't actually exist and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, well, look at companies like Philip Morris that have pumped money into teams like Ferrari for decades. Yeah. And they haven't, had, they haven't had their own actual logo or anything like that on the side of the car for 20 years. Yeah, one, like, of the, one of the biggest sponsors they? in the sport. Well, yeah. But this is the thing. So it's all like uh, they're happy with that because they know that everybody knows. That, like, and us, people like us talking about, it, we're probably just not helping Maz because now everyone's like, oh, Philip Morris still exactly, sponsor yeah. Ferrari. Like, and this is exactly why they do it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's like, mission, do you remember when they released that? Yeah, do you remember when they released that like <laughs> Mission Winnow book of Kimi Haikus a few years ago? Yes. And all the and all the yeah. F one journalists were like losing their minds over it and like tweeting yep. everything it's like do you not see that you're just being completely played to do some they tobacco be, they advertising being for played. Yeah. They, 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 were getting, they weren't getting played they were getting paid Chris well yeah that's probably. what was going on there Ridiculous. I mean, knowing that company, I would say that they probably were. They probably they were. just gave them the. Nah, they were just giving them the books. It's advertorial, all of it. <laughs> I thought you said alphatorial then. Alphatorial. <laughs> no, no, word. no. Alpha Romeo is the team. <laughs> <laughs> there's a good um, Donut Media video actually about sponsorship in F1 and how there's just like. Mm companies that you've never no one's ever heard of and yeah, didn't exist until a week ago are suddenly like the title sponsor of half the races on the calendar and stuff it's worth yeah. a watch it is and now we've uh, recommended you go somewhere else to get your content <laughs> i think it's time for us to uh, to wrap that one up um so you can thanks well first of all thank you so much for listening if you got this far we do appreciate it um you can find us on facebook by searching for back the grid instagram Twitter, all the uh, all the socials, and um, yeah, it's time for us to say goodbye. Uh, oh, there's the uh, website, of course, and uh, coming into the new season, you will be able to make predictions again. We're going to start restart the predictions league, so that's going to be great fun. It always is, and we look forward to uh, to you all joining us for that. And um, yeah, we'll see you next time. So I'll say goodbye, and I'll let these guys say goodbye. Bye, everyone. Bye.